Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob. Bob. What? Bob. What? The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, November 1, 2022. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 651 of the Biden-Harris administration. Seven days. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, and the Patreon page is, of course, bobseskashow.com. Plus, you can follow Buzz Burbank at Michael J. Elston on Twitter for now. <laughs> Link in the description. And, uh, oh, look, he's sitting right over there. Just forget it. You said it all. <laughs> Hi, hello. Hey, that is the last time I just drop in at Skechers. I just. <laughs> they don't like surprise visits, apparently. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Good day. Uh, he, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. And we now each run our own social media platforms. <laughs> and you get a platform. And you get a platform. <laughs> um, we, we we have to address though. First of all, uh, we have to address this issue that is tearing the nation apart, mm-hmm. and and that's the Tom Brady Giselle Bunchen divorce. <laughs> you know, I'm giggling at that. I have no idea who either of those people are. So <laughs> now, right. well, trust me when I say this: if those two crazy kids can't make it, none of us can. <laughs> Uh, Decent Americans were shocked, of course, over the weekend at the violent attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Uh Uh, But this was surprising. The thing that that surprised the most people was that her husband's name is Paul. (laughs) No one ever talks about Paul. It's low information voters. Um, all this, all this political violence—terrible, uh, terrifying—and mm-hmm. and the U.S. is now so divided. A survey shows forty percent of us believe there'll be a civil war in the next ten years. Shit! Uh, but Americans are united on one thing. This time, we refuse to wear wool. <laughs> itchy. It's very it's warm. itchy. Yeah. It's warm but scratchy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, e- even the Miss USA pageant is now being accused of running a rigged contest. <laughs> Apparently, several states turned in alternate slates of electors. <laughs> it's everywhere. Right. Uh, and, then, and then the real election, uh, seven days, as you said. This mm-hmm. election is so close, mm-hmm. it, it has me tied in knots. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost as nervous as an employee at Twitter. <laughs> that nervous, huh? Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, hate speech is is up uh, reportedly up five hundred percent, five hundred percent more hate speech on Twitter 
uh, just since Elon Musk took over. Jesus. And that's just against him. <laughs> All right. Kicking off a brand new week. How you doing? Uh, this is the great Rocky Mountain Mike on a good-looking Tuesday, everybody. Here we go. Got a call from an old friend. He used to be real gross. Said he couldn't go on the Republican way. Avocado toast. Hmm. Now he listens to Stephanie's show from LA. Uh, this show, too. I hope. I'd like to think. I'd like to think his friend does that at least, you know. I need you to tell me your lies from the old right. <laughs> I don't care you insist that Joe Biden go home. It's the big lie. Go ahead with your orange lies. Throw me a bone. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part right there. Yeah, Rocky Mountain Mike. Uh, covering Billy Joel. Yep. Holy shit. Good job. Yeah. Excellent. Rocky, MNTN, Mike on Twitter. Lots of uh, uh, dad jokes and photography on his Twitter account. So. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And on the subject of jokes, and I, I almost told you this before we started the show, but yeah. I may as well share it here. I'm very proud of the fact that looking at some of the late night monologues and looking at uh, the Saturday Night Live's weekend update, <laughs> yeah. I am very proud of the fact that I have not and will not make jokes about Joe Biden. It's just not going to do it. Good, good. That's yeah. a great policy to have because it's ageist. That's uh, well, at least the way the jokes are being constructed on the uh, shows that you were just talking about. And I think it's harmful to belittle the side of democracy yeah. uh, in a battle for democracy. That's right. There was a uh, what was it? A commercial parody. I didn't watch Saturday Night Live the other night. Usually they, we well, watch it. I missed it Saturday night, uh, but I did see a commercial parody that involved. Joe Biden running for a second term and how everyone was terrified of that concept. Right. right. Like, my God, do you not uh, see what is going on out there? Do you not see the stakes? Yeah. And yeah, I guess in the spot uh, they they questioned Joe Biden until they considered the other possibilities, and and they went yeah. back to settling on Joe Biden. I think is right. the way that ended. But Saturday uh, Saturday Night Live's weekend update, especially Colin Jost, has made it a practice to to bash Biden at least once a week. I know some of the other late night hosts are doing it too, uh, and I just I, I you know. I don't think anybody's above being joked about, but this is a very crucial time in our culture and our nation's history, and I just don't feel like playing with democracy yeah. and, and the, the side of right in this. Uh, not now. I mean, uh, maybe some other time. After the election, I'll tell you all my complaints about the Democratic Party, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not sharing any of them now because yeah. we have to unite because we've got a victory to try to attain together. And mm -hmm. as Bob pointed out, time's running out. I don't know how we can illustrate uh, the stakes being any higher than they are. Yeah, I could totally see Lauren Michaels justifying that. 
It, it's like that thing of where you make fun of both sides, right? Mm. Wouldn't want to go too far out on a limb making fun of the side that just is screaming out to be made fun of, diminished, right. marginalized, right. Well, and, and we all and, know it. And to marginalize the side of right during yeah. this crucial battle is just is is not only offensive to me, it's it's harmful to the cause. And I also just realized something that I have not uh, perfected my Lauren Michaels impression yet. So I I'll thought be, it was pretty good. No, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it a round of applause because <laughs> right, I thought it was pretty you. darn good. Thank I you. <laughs> still, still need to workshop that one a little bit more. So anyway. Oh, you're, you're well on your way. I thought it was fine. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. Uh, <laughs> so the plot to assassinate Nancy Pelosi. Here we are. Okay. Yeah, this let's is, start there. Yeah, yeah. The current Republican Party is having a blast making fun of an assassination attempt, just the latest in a series of assassination attempts against the Speaker of the House. Against the, what, How old is Nancy Pelosi right now? She's 82. 82. Right. Uh, an assassination attempt in which the assassin was going to break her kneecaps if she lied under questioning by the assassin. And to me, the worst of it is now that, uh, according to his confession to police, his intention was to see Nancy rolled into the U.S. House of Representatives yeah. as a warning to other Democrats of what mm -hmm. could happen to them. Right. The purpose of breaking her kneecaps was not just to injure Nancy, who's been vilified by Republicans for the last 20 years or so, uh, but it, it wasn't just just about her. Mm -hmm. It was to be a terrorist warning, and, and this is why I think terrorism charges needed to be added to this guy. Yeah. Uh, because it was a terrorist warning to other Democratic lawmakers. Mm -hmm. But Ken Delanian disagrees, Buzz. Ken Delanian from NBC News said, uh, this wasn't a real terrorist attack in the sense that this was a GOP operative that wasn't going to kidnap Nancy Pelosi. This was a person on the fringes who got caught up in no. rhetoric. No, no, no. We God all know that's not it. true. Stop we, giving we these guys a pass. My God. Hey. You've seen the the red hat crowd. You've seen the mongrels, yeah. uh, the deplorables who are out there, uh, the people with the uh, profane shirts and and uh, the the evil shirts and mm -hmm. the Russia embracing shirts. Yeah, you've seen that that load of crap out there in his audience, and he's been telling them over and over again how evil Nancy Pelosi is. And since clearly most of those people are gun owners, uh, and since clearly most of those people. Uh, are out for blood uh, in one form or another. Uh, there's, it's not surprising that somebody, uh, more than one somebody, would act upon uh, this anger. Well, here's the thing. For them, it's fun. The problem that we have, the problem that we face as Democrats, as progressives, as liberals, as normals, just in general, irrespective of your place in the big tent, the problem that we have marginalizing these people is that they think behaving like this is awesome. I'm talking about neo-Nazis. I'm do. talking about the white supremacists. I'm talking mm -hmm. about just mm -hmm. the glee that they're taking in circulating memes, including uh, pictures of underpants and hammers and all the rest right. of it, the tee-heeing that they're doing, the jokes that they're making at the expense of Paul Pelosi and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. This is fun to them. They get off on this. It's great to just let all of your worst instincts out. It's like an exorcism for them 
them. It's a relief. It's like taking a giant dump and they just feel so good when they're able to crap all over the people they don't like, irrespective of why that is, right? I want to I want to try to put a, even a sharper focus on this, uh, who we're talking about here. Uh, I, I, I do believe, you know, I'm going to get laughed at for, the, at the, for this, but I do believe Mitch McConnell is sincere in his uh, statement saying that this absolutely, positively cannot be tolerated. He was unequivocal yeah. in that, and I think that came from the heart. I think that came from a guy who's been in government for a long time. I think Mike Pence, similarly, was equally sincere when he said, this this has got to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. The, the, the Jim Jordans and Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boeberts and, and Louis Gomerts and so many more in the Republican Party, the people who really are the Republican Party in government mm-hmm. now, yeah. the majority of them are exactly the people you're talking about. And although... Uh, I, I, again, not a not a majority of Republican voters. I don't think a majority of Republican voters uh, take glee in this violence, but way too many of them do, and they yeah. do include the Klan and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and other hate and anti-government groups. Uh, they are that's they belong to the Republicans, and the Republicans belong to them. So, just so we're clear, not all Republican voters. In fact, I would say most Republican voters. Uh, find this abhorrent. A few Republicans in government find it abhorrent, but all the other Republicans in government and a whole lot, way too many other Republican voters are, are very much in the camp that takes glee in this sort of thing. This is the cruelty of the shock jock president yeah. uh, you know, coming out, and and yeah. this this paints the party. I posted today on Twitter, uh, Jan 6, 2021, Trump supporters attacked the Capitol, threatening lives and smearing feces. October 28th, 2022, Trump supporter tries to kidnap the Speaker of the House, bludgeoning her husband in the process. This is the Republican Party on the ground. This is a group of uh, chaos agents because their sole focus is to do nothing but to enrage liberals. That's the entire thing. That's right. the purpose of the Rodeo Clown Caucus. Lauren Boebert, as we were talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all the rest of the Marjorie Taylor Greene. Megyn Kelly, for God's sake, was fueling conspiracy theories today, talking about how, well, we're not being told the whole truth here. I don't think we know the full story with what happened in San Francisco. So maybe this was just too convenient for the Democrats for this to have happened this close to the election. Horse shit. Bullshit. Exactly fucking right. Mm They're hearing uh, Jesse Waters, who is just the, the the worst of the worst of all the trolls on Fox News Channel. There's a, a, a fierce competition between Greg Gutfeld and Jesse Waters as to who can be the biggest smirking a-hole on the entire network. And uh, Jesse Waters, day yes. one, day one, yep. was talking about how, you know, there are so many other people who get hit by hammers and they're not prosecuted like this. Why is this guy getting so thoroughly uh, scrutinized by law enforcement. Why is that happening? Because the attacker was out (sighs) to kidnap and harm the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. Yes. A a key part of our government. That's why. The person second in line for the presidency. The president, already the president, first in line, Mm -hmm. vice president, second in line, the Speaker of the House. And that person was stalked and just out of good fortune happened to not be there at the house in Pacific Heights on that night. And all that was there was her 82-year-old husband 
Mm -hmm. uh, who was then accosted, bludgeoned, as you said, uh, severely. He had to undergo brain surgery, recording the Friday after party, and talking about how at that moment, while we were recording the show, Paul Pelosi was undergoing brain surgery, I'm sure to relieve pressure from hemorrhaging on his brain. As an 82-year-old man, my God. He's had a second procedure since then, still recovering well. Uh, uh, This is unbelievable, and, and, uh, you know, it's... for many people, unfortunately, I guess I don't know if we become numb and desensitized, but uh, as shocking as this is to the nation, it's not all that shocking to the nation. Yeah. We, we, you know what I'm saying? It's just we, we've become too accustomed to this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yes, it's escalating, and we make note of its escalation as it goes, but uh, it, it's, is anybody surprised? Certainly no one's surprised. No, no, no. That's what's so terrible about it. I think we've become desensitized because of the mass shootings, because of these physical assaults against public officials, whether they're Chris Rock on the stage at the Oscars or whether it's Paul mm-hmm. Pelosi in his mm-hmm. home. This is becoming standard practice in a democracy that is struggling right now, in a yes. democracy where too many people, and I'm talking about otherwise semi-intelligent people, Mm-hmm. are forgetting that this is not democracy is not about physically attacking your anyone who disagrees with you and, and the reason for the prosecution is that this doesn't become the norm and this guy depap david depap uh was pop as i'm hearing it pronounced now as well yeah he is just another guy who believed the, the the news media that was uh, the, that was talking to him personally he was the false he, news media he, yeah. exactly right he was uh, believing the politicians like I donald wonder. trump who and let's be clear about donald trump there was a Kimberly and I have been watching the new, uh, actually, I don't know if it's new, but we just started watching it. So it's new to us. The Lincoln Project documentary series on Showtime. Okay. And Steve Schmidt at one point is dictating a Lincoln Project ad that they were putting together. Mm -hmm. And he said it clearly. He said, Donald Trump lies to everyone about everything tens of thousands of times unequivocal that he, this right. guy, everything about Donald Trump is a gigantic lie. But this guy was indoctrinated, believed those lies, believed the lies of QAnon, believed Donald Trump's lies about the big lie, there, about the election, the 2020 election. There's a bit of irony in that, too, because that same right-wing media that he believed was the first to theorize that uh, the struggle that police discovered was between two gay lovers. Yeah, right. He posted- and, and that would That would make him gay. I wonder, I, you know, it, it, you and I know there's nothing wrong with that, but I have a feeling David DePap has a problem with being thought to be gay. Oh, yeah. I haven't checked in with the Red Hat Entertainment Complex <laughs> lately, yeah. so I have no idea what the latest conspiracy oh, theory well, is. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's one that was tweeted by Elon Musk and then and then deleted oh, later after right. he was Fuck attacked. Fuck that yeah. guy, too, by yeah, the way. we'll be getting back to him, sure. Yeah, unbelievable. That was, I was going into, I don't know, we'll come back to the Elon Musk thing. I, I I just wanted to say that I was not that panicked when Elon, when that sale finally went through, Um, what was it, wherever it was, midweek last week. I was concerned, but not fucking angry. And then he tweeted that thing in response to Hillary Clinton, and my rage index went off the charts. 
oh my God. And then on top of that, the verification decision, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But this guy, this uh, assassin, this would-be assassin, posted memes and conspiracy theories on Facebook about COVID-19 vaccines, Mm -hmm. the 2020 election, the big lie, uh, January 6th, the attack on the Capitol, as well as blogged about QAnon and other bigoted and fringe topics. He's also facing state charges of attempted murder and other felonies. The attempted kidnapping charges carry a maximum of 20 years in prison and up to 30 years for assaulting an immediate member of a federal official's family and inflicting serious injury with a dangerous weapon. DOJ is on this, rightfully enough, but Mm -hmm. just to put a button on the end of the I believe what Donald Trump tells me nonsense, Uh uh, there are... (laughs) thousands if not hundreds of thousands if not millions of other people who may not be as active as this guy who may not be as motivated to commit acts of violence but who believe all of that same shit and they support the action even if they wouldn't take it themselves in many cases yes absolutely that's right And, and in fact it is so rampant that a major prong of the republican party if not the primary prong of the Republican platform is basically, ha ha, stupid liberals. That's mm-hmm. it. That's essentially what it is. Let's make fun of the assassination attempt. Let's, let's turn it into what it isn't. Yeah, let's abandon good character. Let's abandon morals. Let's abandon values. They're past that. And just own the libs. That's the Republican thrust. That's the Republican platform going in the midterms. Yeah. But, you know, gas prices, Buzz. Gas right. prices. So let's let's vote for those guys. It is frustrating. Yeah. And, and, you know, we keep hearing polls that say, and we'll come back to this too, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but we keep hearing polls that say uh, what's motivating voters is uh, inflation and the economy. That's the number one thing. Yeah. Abortion, second place. Right. Uh, kind of a distant second of Kornacki's numbers, it'll be believed. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's frightening. It doesn't necessarily mean that's how the vote's going to go. And I think if we impart any message this week through all this brutal news, it, it would be that uh, we this election is so close we could still pull it out. All I see people just and and because of court rulings and other things, I see people throwing up their hands now a week out from the election and saying, "Well, that's it. We're screwed. We've lost. We haven't. There's a week left. We could still get people to the polls. There are other numbers that indicate we have a true, true chance not only to keep the Senate." but maybe to hang on to the house if we get off our asses. The odds are against us. The odds makers say we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Screw those guys. Uh, <laughs> it, turnout will make the odds makers wrong. Nothing like a long shot win. Am I right, gamblers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are many, many reasons to have a positive outlook on the midterms, and I want to talk about uh, some of those right. reasons. I mean, the, these are things that uh, we can verify now as far as right. hard actual votes, people right. casting their ballots and who those people are and how many people are doing it. And those numbers are extraordinarily encouraging. So lots to talk about on that front. But I wanted Good. to mention, too, uh, that yes. this... Plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Mm -hmm. 
was of the same ilk at, as this at, attack at, on Nancy Pelosi for sure. At a state at a state level, I mean, the Capitol attack and the attack on the Pelosi's uh, those that's a federal level thing. This is a state level thing, and it's not insignificant because of that, but it's different because of that. But but it it shows how this can this can trickle all the way down to the local level. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, at the same time, since uh, what happened to Paul Pelosi went down and the news broke. The same Republicans we've been talking about so far on the show today were screaming about that assassination attempt on Steve Scalise, or it wasn't necessarily targeting Steve Scalise. Right. The, the shooter the was shooting at the softball game. Yeah, just back, was yeah. shooting at the. Yeah, exactly. It was more of a general attack on that softball game, and Steve Scalise happened to be the one who was the most injured. Yeah. But that is the, I think, the only thing that they can point to. This is an ongoing problem on the right. And, it's sort of like and, this disparity between when they talk, when they hear about January 6th, they go, well, you know, there was some guy who threw a brick through the window of a Chipotle in the summer of 20. So therefore, right. both sides, both sides. Right. It's no, no, that's not the case at all. This is a false equivalence well, from top to bottom. This does we, not happen on the left. It does well, not happen. No, right. And even, uh, even, underscoring that i think bob is the fact that after the softball game shooting that uh, seriously wounded uh, wounded scalise uh nancy pelosi came out with a statement saying this is not a republican or a democrat thing this yeah. is this is a, a violence thing and uh it's not to be tolerated have we heard such a statement from republican leaders no absolutely where's, where's not. kevin where's kevin mccarthy on this no, I, I know that no. again I, I think mitch mcconnell was sincere uh, but only up to a point, only up yeah. to the point that he's okay with the rest of the prominent members of his party and government uh, are having, as you said, fun with this. Well, the upside of the Gretchen Whitmer situation is that those three defendants have been convicted of all charges. This was midweek last week when that went down. This has finally landed in a successful conviction of the perpetrators. Because yes. for a while there, a bunch of a-holes on social media saying, oh, it's all a big hoax, including Glenn Greenwald, who is now always wrong. Glenn Greenwald's taking the place. <laughs> it used to be Bill Crystal is always wrong. That used to be the thing. I'll never forget, I always talk about this, the, the Rachel Maddow A block, where she started out talking about carnival cruises, Right. And through that sort of series of events that she tends to do in her A block, landed, right. went from carnival cruises to the gist being Bill Crystal is always wrong. Right. By way of Wasilla and Sarah Palin, somewhere in there. But right. it's now Glenn Greenwald who is always wrong. Here's what he tweeted back in April, I believe this was, April 8, 2022. He wrote, the DOJ completely failed to convict anyone in the, and he puts it in dick quotes, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, unquote, that the FBI concocted, paid for, directed, and orchestrated. And so that was Glenn Greenwald's analysis of the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, which has now officially landed in a conviction of the three perpetrators. So yeah, Glenn absolutely. Greenwald entirely. Yeah, he said the FBI concocted the, the kidnapping, paid for the kidnapping, directed the kidnapping and orchestrated the kidnapping. Bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is disinformation versus reality again. Uh, one of the things that's gratifying to me that I hope helps, I don't know if it will or not, but I hope it does, uh, the fact that the Pelosi attacker, the alleged Pelosi attacker, is facing local charges. He's facing state charges. He's facing federal charges. Yeah. Statewide, he's been charged with attempted murder. There's nothing 
nothing unserious about a federal kidnapping charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, other and by the way, there's legal subtext that allows charges against uh, the attacker uh, that that increase the penalty for kidnapping a key member of government. Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, more serious than your average kidnapping case, and those are pretty darn serious. Right. And once again, I can't help but to go back to one of the centerpieces of why this kind of shit happens. It's being encouraged by yeah. the people who, should one, should know better, Two, who are sort of setting examples for voters, for activists, for disciples of this Trump Republicanism. And I'm talking about something I've been talking about, screaming about, in fact, for uh, 10, 15, 20 years now, which is the prevalence of just far right eliminationism as Dave Nywert calls it. I think Dave Nywert invented the term eliminationism or made or popularized it, I should say. And that is where you see all these commercials where Rand Paul has an AR-15 and he's mm-hmm. shooting the tax code or some, Eric Greetens is shooting uh, Obamacare or blowing up something that represents right. something that he doesn't like. Setting the example that the way yeah that the way you do democracy is you shoot or kill the things you don't like Donald Trump always said it's about toughness yeah. it's about being, we got to be tough yeah we got to yeah. be tough on these guys and you remember rewind to last fall before the primaries really got underway for this midterm cycle and there was that guy I, I forget exactly. You know what? It's not even worth mentioning who the guy was. He was a candidate. He was a Republican candidate. Yeah. Running in the primary. Lost the primary. Thank God. But his big famous video in his run for the nomination. Of course. Was a video of him shooting Nancy Pelosi in the context of some sort of silly, like, okay, corral shootout scenario, where it's this guy or an actor playing this guy with a six-shooter wearing the cowboy drag and all the rest of it, and then there's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and I think then also uh, uh, Joe Biden, and they're the bandits, and they all get shot. You, You know who I believe the pioneer of all this was, don't you? Who? G. Gordon Liddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Liddy talked proudly on his show about uh, shooting at a, at a range with his children and grandchildren yep. at pictures of President Bill Clinton. Yes. While he was president. <clears throat> Unbelievable. And the same with the, uh, what was he talking about? And it got him in a lot of trouble, too, when he was talking about the ATF. Where he's like, yes. uh, he, shoot for the head. Shoot for the head because they're wearing Kevlar vests. So uh-huh. that, you know, you don't want to shoot them in the body, in the torso, because they're wearing those vests. So <laughs> aim he was for telling the head. people He was telling people how to kill a federal agent. Yes. Should they come for your guns? Uh, and this goes, wait, wait, what are we talking about? What, what year was it? Was it 90-something? It was early 90s? The maybe? ATF thing was shortly after I left WJFK. So it was yeah. maybe 94. I want to say okay. the yeah, ATF yeah. was 94. 
Yeah, and I think he was talking about the shooting uh, pictures of Clinton even before that. Yes. And, and so you can see the roots of this go back a way. It took, it took a while for it to catch on, but Liddy had his disciples. I mean, they thought the, the people, uh, many of the guys who listened to the show, and they were mostly white guys, mm-hmm. uh, uh, saw him as a god. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they knelt before him. They, they, it's literally in some cases. Uh, and, and this was the kind of thing he was preaching. So this, this seed has been out there for a while. And if you look at this overall style of politics by the Republicans, that goes all the way back to Newt Gingrich, mm-hmm. who's really the father of all this crap. And so consequently, you see an entire generation of Republican voters and freaks and weirdos who think that this is how you're supposed to behave. That in order to get the things that you want, in order for society to bend to your ridiculousness, you have to go around and commit acts of violence. If you think that your pumpkin-faced messiah was cheated out of the election based on zero evidence other than that pumpkin face's latest lie, then you're going to invade and occupy the Capitol. You're going to accost D.C. Capitol Police. You're going to try to seek out the Speaker of the House, seek out the Vice President of the United States, seek out other elected officials to hang them, to murder them. You know, that is a level of radicalism that is absolutely, absolutely generated by the sorts of eliminationist rhetoric that we've been hearing from the Republican Party for decades now. This is not happening in a bubble. This is not an isolated thing. This is the doctrine of the Republican Party. We're going to go down there. What did the ex-president, what did the one-term loser say on January 6th? We're going to march down there, and we're going to be strong, and we're not going to back down. We're going to go to the Capitol, and we're going to show them what we're all about. And, of course, all these people, one, believed their president, and two, thought, What a great idea. And you know what else it's going to be? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to be on TV. And everyone's going to be talking about us. And we're going to do this delusional thing that we've seen in movies and video games for all this time. Because we can no longer distinguish between fiction, reality, truth, lies. These are things that we no longer have a barometer for. So we're we're just going to do whatever this chaos or a group of chaos agents tells us to do, right? Again, education and failure. Ignorance fills the void left by a lack of education, and that's where we are. Uh, So I don't want people to ever forget that. Here's my dream scenario, Mm -hmm. is that uh, there will come a day where we won't have to pay attention to anything those idiots say because we will have already crushed them Mm -hmm. in the election and hopefully uh, we'll have already crushed them with justice. Uh, We need uh, justice now and we need justice and we need it now. We we need both that turnout to, to crush this idiocy and we need justice to come down on the people who uh, are carrying out these acts and the people who inspire these acts. The most important thing, I believe, in addition to attaining justice, is 
to electorally marginalize and humiliate this entire yeah. movement. And and sadly, from the numbers, even if we win this election, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, oh, goody, we just barely won again. And that's if we win. Uh, and I, again, believe we still can and believe we must work harder than ever over this next week. Uh, maybe some of us should have started sooner. Uh, but <laughs> but this, we still have, you're telling me we have a chance. Yes, there's still a, there's still a week left uh, and we with the turnout, we can, we can at least outnumber them. Yes. We can at least, if we cannot overwhelm them, as we should be doing, and it's baffling uh, to logic as to why things are the way they are, except for the ignorance and lack of education. Yeah. But uh, we, we, we have to at least beat them and ultimately crush them uh, in order to make uh, this nightmare go away. And, and also, as I said, justice needs to come down on the folks directly and indirectly responsible. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And they have a whole plan. The Republican Party has an entire plan that they're wheeling out right now. You can see it if you look carefully enough. As far as the, I'm talking about the midterms now. They, they they have to wheel it out because it yeah. has broken kneecaps. Right. And they're going to generate all kinds of chaos. We have to be prepared for the fact that there will not be a definitive outcome of the midterms on election night, that this will extend out just because think, of the nature of how elections are run these days. That's just what's going to happen. And so what the Republicans have done well, we're going to get to all of this. But what they're doing good. is they're setting themselves up to be able to challenge the results of the election if mm -hmm. they if they end up losing and quite honestly I feel like they're on path to losing big and I'm feeling right. very think, positive think, about it. I think you might be right and I hope you're right. That's where I am on this. Yeah, yeah. I just I can't help and it just as a preview I can't help but to look at some of the previous elections, some of the special elections that we've seen so far right. that have been just absolute shocks in terms of Democratic victories. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a big indicator, but also there's a lot of positive news in the early vote that continues to roll out. We are Democrats are outperforming 2018 and 2020 as far as getting the vote out at this point. I think the pollsters are going to have to all engage in a gigantic mea culpa. Because I think the pollsters are wrong on this. I, I hear the pollsters already asking for that because I hear the pollsters saying, it's too close, we're scared, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and they hate the fact, these are numbers guys and, yeah. and gals, and they hate the fact that they don't know. They, yeah. they, they hate that more than anything. They hate it more than you and I do that they don't know how this is going to turn out. Right. Uh, it, 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 is, it is maddening and it's nerve-wracking. And you're, I'm glad you said that. I, I had to think about it for a minute, but I'm glad you said the part about, you know, waiting. Uh, Wait, wait, wait for the, the final results, because I think Democrats tend to be patient with that anyway and understand how the system works. But I see so many discouraged progressives, so many discouraged normals uh, these days that I worry that when they see those first results, uh, th that they're going to uh, react badly and, and think perhaps that all is lost when, in yeah. fact, it, it isn't. So yeah, that was a, maybe a good thing to point out. And I'll yeah. have some more prep for election night as well. Well, the previous two general elections, we've gotten to that point in the night, probably around 10, 1030, when everyone mm -hmm. goes, ah! <laughs> right. That's essentially yeah. how 
we all have been behaving. 2018, you, 2020, that was the you, way it was, yeah. Yeah, well, even before that, when you, you and I were on the air together on some of those nights where yeah. we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And it is, it's it's gotten worse. It's uh, The wait has gotten longer yeah. uh, because of changed, various changes in election law, some good, some bad. Yep, absolutely. So that and a whole lot more, plus uh, we got to get into uh, Elon Musk. I have some things to say about his plans for, uh, quite honestly, people like me, uh, the people who've been verified on Twitter with our little mm -hmm. uh, blue checks, or as they, I learned this this week, Buzz, that in yes. England, they refer to them as blue ticks. Blue I didn't know yes. that. They're blue uh, yeah, ticks. A check, a check is a tick. Which is kind of yeah, gross. Yeah. Just kind of <laughs> cre creepy and scary. But I understand only if, that. Only if you think of an insect. That Well, yeah. see, that's immediately what I go to. Because, yeah. I mean, of all the things in the insect world, ticks are no. the most vile as far as we've, I'm concerned. We, we've ticked that off our list. <laughs> so. There you go. All right. Well, that and a whole lot more still to come on the big yeah. uh, Tuesday show this week. But if you're pissed off at cable news and other very serious political analysts these days. Don't get me started. Analysts like Kendall Anian. Here's an outstanding way to support independent media, specifically this podcast. For just five bucks per month, you can support our Patreon page as we guide you through the madness and chaos of our politics. But it's not just about supporting shows like this one. You're also going to get bonus content as a reward for your monthly support. And speaking of that monthly support, I forgot to mention all of our brand new Patreon subscribers. So oh, here man. we go. Yeah, Romper, well, let me get to stomper, our... bumper, boo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where's my magic mirror? Let me get my exactly. Magic okay, nice. I'm so glad you knew that reference. Yeah, I see Catherine's Sumter, I see Deborah Strige, I see David Green. Oh, look, over there, there's Andrea Brower. I see Ken J. Marks. Hi, Ken J. Marks. Oh, and there's Richard Edson and Paul Thoreau. Congratulations and thank you so much for joining us on our yeah, Patreon page. Thank you. I love you all. I, I'm so grateful to have all of you on board. I can't express how grateful I am. So, you're also going to get access to the Patreon app where you can download the free show and our bonus content. Plus, you can join the discussion with our community of Patreon members in the comments under each episode. All that for just five bucks per month, pennies per show. So, don't miss out. Run, don't walk to bobsuskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. Thank you. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska!
Michael McDermott. Here we go. Yeah. This is uh, giving up the ghost from his uh, Orphans album. Michael-McDermott.com. Link in the description to support Michael's work. One of our faves on the show. Holy shit. This, I think this is the first song I played from Michael way back when we first started playing indie music as our official rejoin music out of commercials. And uh, huge congratulations, well-deserved kudos for Michael McDermott. He just won the prestigious Tenko Award for songwriting in Italy. Yeah, big deal here. McDermott is now part of a lofty winner's circle as the Tenko Award has previously gone to luminaries in the singer-songwriter pantheon. Get these names. Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, Tom Waits, Sting, Sting, not Stung, not Stinging, just Sting. Jackson Brown, Elvis Costello, Randy Newman, David Crosby. Holy shit. And now Michael McDermott. Yeah. And you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Well earned. Well earned. Congratulations. Now, I I think I know why you like this song. Why? Uh, Because it reminds me, at least, of you too. Yeah, a little bit. It's got that, Mm -hmm. for some reason, it's got that feeling to it. It's got that vibe where it just makes you feel really good. You want it to roll down the windows and sing along. Yeah, I agree, and yeah. I love them too. But you know, we're in controversial territory here because not everybody is a U2 fan. It's like cilantro; yeah. you either love it or you don't so much. Yeah, uh, well. but but we we both love it. And, <laughs> I know, and 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 so we, we love that song. I think partly, at least, for that reason. Yeah, and and again, so proud of of Michael for this achievement for being. Uh, among those luminaries and a spot well earned. Yeah, who would have guessed that uh, pop culture would be my third rail? When I talk about pop culture, oh yeah, it's like I just ran over everyone's dog. <laughs> so now I'm getting, I'm seeing all the comments popping up. Bob, you like you too? Oh my god! Well, you know what? It used to be cool to like you too. Late late seventies, early eighties, into the nineties. For God's sake, Octung Baby is one of the greatest albums ever recorded in the history of rock and roll. I will die on that hill. So, at least in that perspective, say what you will about the current iteration of U2 and the sort of semi-adult contemporary music that they're playing now. They used to be really fucking awesome and innovative and cool. So It's hard. It's hard. And, yeah. you know, if you take a stand, entertainment is very personal to people. Yeah. And uh, they, they have very clear opinions on what each person likes <laughs> and don't like. And everybody's different. Yeah. You know, but, so, but it is risky, I've noticed on social media. I, I one time, uh, spoke of a a piece of art, uh, a piece of media that I particularly liked and uh, got shot at for its imperfections. And I, I grant that it has imperfections, but I think its positive factors far outweigh uh, those imperfections, and that's why I still love it. And it, it hurt my feelings, because if you don't love my, for example, movie, does that mean you don't love me? I mean, that's how personally we take yeah. our our taste in various forms of art. And heaven forbid I mention Star Wars on Twitter, because then the reaction is invariably... No! No! People don't like it when I talk about Star Wars on Twitter for some reason. <laughs> so yeah. it's so bizarre. We live in the weirdest, weirdest, weirdest goddamn timeline. Yeah, yeah absolutely sure. And speaking of which, let's talk about Elon Musk. Speaking of weird timelines, uh, the great Stephen King tweeted this yesterday. He said, $20 a month to keep my blue check, or as they say in England, blue tick. 
Fuck that. They should pay me. If that gets instituted, I'm gone like Enron. So thank you, <laughs> thank you Stephen King. Now, here's the point of this. Yeah. Elon Musk replied to Stephen King. Yes. And said... We need to pay the bills somehow. Twitter cannot rely entirely on advertisers. How about $8? As in $8 a month. This is the guy who just spent $44 billion, overpaid right. for Twitter. Yes. Got sucked into a colossal fuck-up, then fired the board, privatized the company, and his only idea for monetization is to charge people like me to provide content for him, for his case, rapidly disintegrating website. I mean, for God's sake. The, yeah, I mean, the Trump stakes uh, business plan was b a better business plan than this. <laughs> and Donald Trump wanted to sell stakes, sell beef in sharper image mall stores. That's how dumb the Trump stakes business model was. What what Elon Musk hasn't quite figured out yet is that he needs Stephen King more than Stephen King needs Twitter. Right. Uh, uh, and and what a weak bargaining position he's in now uh, with this blue check business. And we, obviously we we've got a lot to get into. Just for fun, I looked up the word Musk and what it means. <laughs> Here's the definition of Musk. You'll, this will stay with you. You'll like this. Uh, it's a noun. Uh, there are two definitions. The first is a strong-smelling reddish-brown substance, which is secreted by the male musk deer for oh. scent marking and is an important ingredient in perfumery. Ew, David. Uh -huh. And the second definition is a relative of the monkey flower that was formerly cultivated for its musky perfume, which has been lost in the development of modern varieties. All right. Uh, so now you know what musk means. Uh, so smell it accordingly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You well, uh, I think, first of all, Elon Musk, in this reply to Stephen King, negotiating yes. with himself. That's another just colossal fuck up. Here, Elon Musk says, hey, you don't want to pay 20 bucks? Hey, I can give it to you for eight. Hey, how about that? You want to pay eight dollars? I give you eight dollars. Right, right. It's like he's it's, a fucking street hustler who's trying to sell timeshares. Yeah, yeah, and a pathetic one at that. Now he's now he's begging. It, it seems, you know, <laughs> right. And he still doesn't. It still doesn't know what he'd be losing if he were to lose not only Stephen King but others like him. Also revealing about Musk's tweet that you just read, uh, the first one is uh, that uh, he realizes that advertisers are leaving. Yeah, uh, not not just General Motors for the obvious reasons, but but uh, other advertisers as well. And uh, I see more and more people saying, I'm blocking all ads. I'm blocking anybody mm -hmm. who advertises on Twitter. Already been doing just, it. Yeah. Just to hurt the business. And yep. so uh, he's finding out that it's going to cost him a whole lot more than $44 billion, uh, to, to keep Twitter. This, so let's see how long this lasts. That's what I'm telling people who bail. And I'm also begging anybody who's listening to us now, and, and I'm, I'm sure you've said this before, uh, please come back. We need you. This yeah. is It's a week before the election. This is no time to bail. It's, it's uh, you know, in my feed, I mean, I'm aware of what's going on, and, and I'm aware of the hellscape that does exist now on Twitter. I'm aware that hate speech and use of the N-word is up 500% since Musk took over. Uh, I don't see a lot of that, uh, mainly because I've blocked most of those a-holes, and I guess the algorithm knows what I like and what I don't like. Uh, but fortunately, I don't see a lot of that. And, and this, so I see Twitter still as a place to communicate with my fellow uh, progressive soldiers, I, I, we, and we need every soldier right now. We need to stand side by side 
uh, in this last week of the election and beyond because we just can't quit. We just can't yeah. give up. We just can't run away. This is a time to stay and fight. This is not a time to run away. And I don't say that to insult people, but I say it to put it in clear terms uh, what's at stake here. Uh, if you've left Twitter, please consider coming back. Uh, Bob's lost some people. I Even I've lost some people, and I didn't have you know so many to begin with. Uh, even I took a hit. I think we've all seen about the same percentage uh, hit on this. Uh, and and uh, you know it, we need each other, and we need to continue this fight together. Yeah. So I, I would say, and I've been saying this on Facebook as well. Please come back to Twitter. Well, here's the thing: as white guys, we don't see as many trolls and awful people as women see, sure. as people of color see, right. certainly as uh, LGBTQ listeners see. But what I do also see is the value of sticking around. I intend to stick around. I intend to ride the rubble all the way down to use a 911 I metaphor. thought about bailing I yeah. thought about bailing I sure yeah. I considered it like a yeah. lot of people did but I just can't do it I won't yeah. do it and uh just to wrap up this Elon Musk exchange with Stephen King he he added yes. here Elon Musk added I will explain the rationale in longer form before this is implemented. He's talking about the blue tick situation. <laughs> it is the only way to defeat the bots and trolls. And what the fuck is that? It's the only yeah. way to defeat the bots and trolls? How about banning the bots and trolls? How about just doing that? Making people pay for their blue check is yeah. not going to defeat the bots and trolls. What it's going to do is it's going to increase the number of imposters. It's going to increase the number of trolls. It's going to increase the number of people who are spoofing other people's accounts and then trolling people with disinformation. That's going to go through the goddamn roof as soon as Elon Musk does this. So how is charging blue checks $20 a month in order to maintain their veracity as mm. actual people? Because in order to get a blue check... I, when I got my blue check, I had to submit a, a yes. bunch of government documents, including my driver's license, all this shit, to prove that I am who I am. So you eliminate that process, and it actually worsens the situation. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's one of the main things I'm concerned about, because no way in fucking hell am I going to pay $20 a month or $4 a month or whatever, <laughs> whatever. his final... Uh, retail value happens to be 50 cents how about 50 cents yeah no fucking way. Uh, not now you, you started this by saying uh, that he would like to discuss this at length and uh, that's funny if only he had bought a platform that, that would allow him <laughs> enough characters to do that then it might have been easier for him uh, yeah I mean he's 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 part of this. He's the he's the source of, of this this problem. And yeah. I, I have thoughts on the blue check. Uh, I leave leave no doubt that you earned yours. You absolutely earned your blue check. Many, if not most, of the people who have blue checks earned them. I'm not sure everybody who has a blue check earned it. And I know some people who should have blue checks. I start with Stephanie Miller. Yeah. Uh, we're never or able you. to get them. I, 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 well, I'm, I'm small potatoes compared to you guys, but, uh, so I sort of understand that, but even with all the legal hoops you had to go through and even with the followers that you accumulated, mm -hmm. and that's part of the formula too, yeah. uh, as to whether you get a blue check, uh, you, you earned every, every bit of that. Uh, I'm not sure everybody did. And I think many of the people who had earned it like Stephanie, uh, didn't get them. So I, I questioned the system that was in place to begin with. If 
it becomes a pay-per-check system, as Musk has proposed, then all a blue check will tell you is that they paid for the blue check. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it, it, it will be meaningless at that point. And, and I understand he wants to take away the blue checks, checks that have already been issued and, uh, and start afresh with only, only paid ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is ridiculous because right at its face, it tells you, well, this person has a blue check because they paid for it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just becomes meaningless at that point. I've never liked the blue check system, honestly, uh, but uh, because of its arbitrariness, it's, it's the fact that uh, even if you have a following and even if you can prove you are who you say you are, you still might not get a blue check. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, I, maybe it would be better if the system didn't exist at all. I don't know. Well, I, I think the system in and of itself was set up for good reasons, but the way yeah. not only was it implemented, but the way that it's been kind of bastardized has become something else. And the way it's implemented is that it's not available to, not everyone can apply to, to get one because right. the application page comes and goes and no one knows when it's going to be right. there or when it's going to yeah. disappear. Right. Uh, it's very random in that regard. So not That's everyone can like apply. Uh, it just so happened that I applied at a time when the page was readily available. And uh, as I said, I had to submit all kinds of information proving that I am me. And that's the value of a blue check. When you share the information that I post, you know that it's coming from me because I have that little icon next to my name. And that's an important thing, I think, as, as far as eliminating the amount of disinformation, eliminating the amount of uh, sock puppets and imposters on the internet. The, the problem is that it has been further endowed with this idea of status. And Kimberly's been tweeting about this lately as far as the, I don't know, the sidetracking of what blue checks are all about. It's become right, this thing right. where it's like seen as the cool kids club. Well, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where as people with, and I, it never sounds good when you start talking like this. So please forgive me and bear with me. People who have a profile on the internet mm -hmm. are often targets of stalking and often targets of imposters and trolls and hackers. And the blue check is not a great shield against that, but it's a decent shield against that sort of thing, at least in the context of Twitter. And that's its value. So that's why I embrace the blue check concept from that basic point of view. Right. Now, right. here's the problem that Elon Musk has put us in. This is the trash compactor. On one hand, if we refuse to pay Elon Musk his tribute, you know, for the privilege of providing him with content that he can then monetize with advertising. He should be paying us right. to provide content for his website. So we either lose our blue check and not pay money to Elon Musk and then get spoofed and then get uh, you know, have imposters and trolls and all the rest of it and make it extraordinarily difficult or much more difficult than it already is to book guests, to make contacts with people, to do our work, like hosting a podcast and producing your own right. podcast like I do. So that becomes a much wow. bigger challenge. If I reach out to someone and say, hey, you want to be on my show and they see that blue check, well, they know that I'm legit. And so that's an advantage. And that goes away if we don't pay Elon Musk. So, well, we, so on that side, we're fucked. And then if we pay Elon Musk, uh -huh. then that becomes, that blue check goes from becoming 
a symbol of uh, veracity into becoming a scarlet letter. It becomes a symbol saying, you genuflected at the feet of Elon Musk. You're paying Elon Musk for, and I think this is a misnomer, for your status, for your cool kids club, and damn you for paying Elon Musk to continue to be part of the cool kids club. Then it becomes something that turns you into a pariah. I am not going to fucking pay Elon Musk to keep my blue check, so I'm fully prepared to lose my fucking blue check and suffer the cost consequences of that when it comes to bookings on this show, when it comes to sharing information where people don't know if it's me or if it's some fucking imposter, some fucking sock puppet guy going around impersonating me. So I'm willing to endure that so that I don't have to genuflect at the feet of Elon Musk, this fucking chaos agent who has somehow stood on the shoulders of greater intellects and then delusionally claim that it's all, well, it's all him. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like same Donald as, Trump, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, same as his wealth. Uh, this is the advantage, Bob, of being low profile like me. Uh, but I, to my knowledge, no one has ever impersonated uh, me uh, or, or or stalked me or, uh, you know, uh, posed as me in any way. Uh, and people seem to believe and know that I am who I say I am. And, and, and I feel like I have, a, at least with a, a sizable group of people, a fair amount of credibility o- online, e- even without the blue check. So th- there is life without it. Uh, there was a performer, I won't even give you the name because it's an old-timey performer, but he said, what you want to be in Hollywood is the third banana. <laughs> because when you're the third banana, he said, you can hide back in the bushes, and when you've got something, jump out with it. Uh, and then jump back into the bushes. That way you, you stay out of the line of fire, you stay out of the heat. And yeah. so that's where I am. I'm the third banana in the in this, uh, in this the podcast and, and uh, social media world. And it's kept me safe and comfortable and warm. Well, you were the... <laughs> You were the third banana on one of the most popular syndicated radio shows I made for a like 20, out of it. for twenty yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So don't put yourself down. You have a much higher status than you give yourself credit for. Even there, I got to hide in the bushes until I had something and then jump out with it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have the spotlight on me constantly, so I could uh, find peace and tranquility. So this is another interesting angle to the blue check situation that I don't think Elon Musk has considered, or if he has, he okay. just doesn't give a shit. Europe is going to fuck over his plans to do this. Oh, yeah. Uh, There was a piece on Mashable by Chris Taylor, who uh, wrote the following. I want to read some of this here real quick. Those accept cookies pop-ups you keep getting, which in theory cut down on the number of companies tracking you, well, that's largely the doing of the EU regulation known as the GDPR. Now, here comes the Digital Services Act, which just received final approval from the EU Parliament and Council. The DSA sets standards for content moderation, aims to fight disinformation, and was praised by Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen as the, quote, gold standard for keeping social media giants in check with minimal regulation. European Commissioner Thierry Breton reminded Musk of his DSA obligations immediately after the Twitter sale went through. The bird will fly by our rules, he said. And Musk had no response, not even his classic bomb-throwing LOL emoji. How could he? He's in a video with Breton announcing their joint support for the DSA back in May. And what's Musk going to do if he gets on the wrong side of the European law? 
pull every Twitter office, every Twitter server out of an entire continent no, that also no. buys his overpriced electric cars? No. Seasoned Euro watchers are already preparing the popcorn. As am oh, I. Excellent. Excellent. As and am you know, I. there's a, there's a uh, domestic analogy to that. Uh, Europe uh, is to the internet what California is to the U.S. car industry. Uh, the U.S. car industry, if California makes an environmental rule for cars, uh, the auto industry pretty much has to go along with it because they're not going to make different cars for California that they make for the rest of the country. Yes. So California actually, being the now the fourth largest economy on the planet, uh, is in a very much in a very strong position to regulate the car industry mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, the other way around, instead yeah. of the car industry regulating California. Likewise, uh, the the European Council uh, provides the same service for the world mm -hmm. on on the internet. Uh, they they set the standard, and uh, everybody else, if they want to stay in business, if they want to operate in all these countries, uh, needs to abide. It must abide by these rules. And what I'm seeing so far, Buzz, is that blue checks are not taking it. Blue checks are not going to be extorted to uh, right. provide right. content for Elon you. Musk. Yeah. If I had one, I would want to defend it too. These cool. people, they're not going to take it sitting down. They are just, they, I think they're going to be more willing to just lose their blue what, checks what and maybe say? move on to someplace else. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that someplace else might actually be this other platform called Counter Social. Okay. That I have now signed up for, and a bunch uh -huh. of people have followed me over there. It's not going to replace Twitter for me. As I said, I'm riding the rubble all the way to the ground. I'm going to watch this thing crash and burn, and right. I'm going to be there talking about it the whole time, even without my blue check. Um, but I have signed up for Counter Social. That is a, a platform that's similar to Twitter. It was invented by that gray hat hacker called Jester. Which initially I noticed that and I was like, I, I posted something on Twitter about that. Can I trust this Jester guy? And people I trust said, oh yeah, he's fine. It's a Twitter style site that doesn't have all the bullshit. And so far, so good. So I went out, signed up over there. And then I think Jack Dorsey is also going to launch something called Blue Sky. Right. And that may compete with Twitter, although I've heard rumors that he's in cahoots with Elon Musk. So it's like yeah. it's we're in a, a state of flux well, right now when it comes yeah, to social I, media. Yeah, I think it's better not to make any move, at least for myself at this moment. Uh, I remember the whole MeWe thing. People have forgotten, and it's yeah, surprising because I, I've encountered them. I've encountered them online. People have forgotten how angry we all were at Zuckerberg oh, yeah. for accepting Russian rules to distribute misinformation mm -hmm. in a presidential election year. Uh, the, I, you've forgotten, we've all forgotten just how very, very angry we were about that. And many of us said, hey, look, there's this great place over here called MeWe. Well, I, I went to MeWe. I'm, I guess I'm still on it. I never <laughs> check in over there. Yeah. And I'm not sure anybody else does either. I mean, I, I know there are some people on it, but there just isn't the audience. There isn't the traction. There, it, 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 for me, MeWe is is a hollow, empty, lonely experience. <laughs> Twitter, and, also, and also it's called MeWe. Yeah, yeah. well, that. But, but Twitter is where the action is. Yes. Uh, yeah. There just isn't much going on 
over in quiet, happy Twitter land. And and do you know I what what good is it to preach only within the bubble? At least on Twitter, although I know I'm preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. I know there are some non choir members who are seeing this stuff, and it does my heart good to know that somebody more than my immediate political circle uh, might be exposed to this material. I, if I go to someplace like MeWe or you know whatever, it, this is not these new services that are popping up or are threatening to pop up as alternatives to Twitter. I, I, at this point, am not convinced that they're going to be any more successful or any more emotionally satisfying than MeWe was. Well, I've been, as I said before, I've been doing this for 25 years now, working professionally on the Internet, and I have seen so many sites, just like Twitter, come and go. Uh, Hundreds of millions of dollars on each one of these projects. Mm -hmm. Billions, if not trillions, invested into... And Twitter could go, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Invested into failed startups, and I could do Mm -hmm. the whole list from, you know, uh, good God, MySpace, and you can go from there. I mean, I remember all of the animation websites that popped up in 99 and 2000 in that period of time during the dot-com boom that spent tens of millions of dollars and never even launched a fucking website just crashed and burned with the dot-com bust that occurred in uh, whatever it was 2001 and so it's entirely possible that Twitter gets replaced. I mean, we saw we saw the whole thing from Friendster to MySpace to Facebook. These websites do not last forever. Or some of them do, obviously. But with Twitter, if people are going to migrate off of Twitter and go someplace else, you're going to know it when you see it. Because it's going to be a mass exodus. Right. And everyone's going to go and do it. And the thing that everyone goes and signs up for, that's going to be the thing that's going to replace Twitter. There's no doubt in my mind that if Elon Musk has his druthers, Twitter is going to crash and burn. And I would give it a matter of months, not years. Yeah. On that front. Well, I mean, there's a network television analogy here. There used to just be three networks, right? Yeah. Uh, and now, and now there are like a thousand right. networks. Yep. And so everybody gets a piece of the pie, but the piece has gotten much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. And and that means everybody, uh, as with television. Uh, we can no longer gather in one place. Right, right. Uh, and and if there are multiple replacements to Twitter, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very concerned about this. I believe that uh, Musk will be gone from Twitter, will divest himself of it somehow uh, before it entirely crashes and burns. I hope. Although there has been a su- significant exodus from Twitter already that I want to try to get back. Uh, <laughs> uh, although it's, it's not insignificant, the number of people who have left, uh, many of the people that I have followed and who follow me are still there. And so I'm going to be where they are. Now, when I see them start to disappear, especially if they're all going to the same place, my concern is we're going to go off in different directions. And some of us will go to this one. Some of us will go to that one. And then, then we're, we're fragmented. I, you know, I, it makes me uncomfortable. We have a nice, large community here. And and as I said, now, not just for this election, but uh, post-election, uh, more than ever, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder. Sure. I, but I, I we're already fragmented, though. 
I mean, there are already many, many social media platforms that we all sort of have a presence on to some extent. I mean, I'm also, on, I'm still on Facebook. I'm not posting any personal things there, just shows. Right. But I'm very active on Instagram as well. And now we'll, I'll be adding a counter social to that front. It's going to be one of those things that it's going to be almost imperceptible as it happens. You're not going to mm-hmm. see everyone, okay, now we're all going to go. Let's all go and there'll be a, you know, a starter pistol and we all run off and go to, it's not going to work out like that. It's going to be more gradual where we adopt these other things. And over the course of a relatively short period of time, uh-huh. you'll know where the Twitter replacement will end up being. But it won't okay, be one of those I'll, things that'll be like throwing a switch and it happening I'll, overnight. It's not going to happen. I think I'll wait until then, you know, to, yeah. to, to make the move or even plant a flag. I mean, yeah. I could go over and join that now, but I'm just not ready to do that yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me, I want to see how it goes first. It takes a while for change to occur, especially mm-hmm. when you get in the habit of going to a certain place and communicating with a certain group of people. And right. I mean, right. look, uh, at the end of the day, I love Twitter for what it is, because it's the first draft of history. Everyone who's important is on there. You get it firsthand right away as it occurs. It's like uh, Gomez Adams and the Adams family sitting there and, and looking at the stock ticker as it comes off of the machine. That, that's kind of what Twitter is for news and opinion. And if, for someone like me, I embrace it for that. I love it for that. And now it's being uh, further bastardized. It was never any great shakes before. They had serious terms of service problems before Elon Musk. But now mm-hmm. all of that has been amplified into this level of fuckery that uh, I just I will have a very narrow tolerance for. So we'll see how it all susses out. But exactly. I, yeah. Well, before we, because uh, well, we're way late for a break, let me just mention a couple of uh, further opinions here from people we know of. Uh, okay. Tara Dublin, who's been on this show, she said uh, earlier today, is Elon Musk going to charge the President of the United States $20 a month? Is he going to charge every member of Congress and every celebrity and every journalist $20 a month? Fuck that guy. Already right. publications have come out. I think CNN came out and said, we're not going to pay $200 a year for our, <laughs> right. for our reporters to have blue checks. Fuck you. Uh, Nate Silver. Yeah, of all people, I thought Nate Silver would be backing Elon Musk, and he kind of does here, but wait for it. He said, I'm probably the perfect target for this. Use Twitter a ton, can afford $20 a month, not particularly anti-Elon, but my reaction is that I've generated a ton of valuable free content for Twitter over the years, and they can go fuck themselves. So, yeah, you know what? Elon, take that from Nate Silver. Jesus. So, well, we'll see you over at Counter Social. I'm uh, at Bob Seska. You know, fortunately, there was no other Bob Seska on Counter Social, so I didn't have to put any underscores <laughs> in my handle. So that's oh, good. that's another that's another positive I, check mark in the or t- tick. I'm sorry, tick in favor of Counter Social. I was surprised at the number of Bob Seskas there are in the world. I didn't. I, I had no idea. I didn't. It didn't strike me as that common a name. But no, it's far more common. Than I'm I always thought. surprised. There's like a used car salesman in Maryland, or at least was whose name was Bob Seskett. No relation whatsoever. But we ended up bumping into each other on Facebook or something like that. So, oh, hey, Bob Seskett. It's like that uh, Spider-Man meme where all the yeah. different Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. Uh, around like for, the country, there, for, there's a there's a Mike Elston football coach. There's a Mike Elston lawyer, Michael Elston lawyer. Here in my own little town, I live in a small town, about 25,000 people. Yeah. There's uh, there's another Michael Elston. Can you believe? <laughs> wow. And of all the, of the, the size of this nation, I ended up in the same little town. Town as another Michael Elston, and I hear, I hear he's a real jerk. So, 
I, I tell I tell people when I go when I, I'll go to a business and they'll say, uh, we have two of them here. What's your middle initial? And I, I give him J. And I said, yeah, the other one's my evil twin. <laughs> the bizarro Mike Elston. Right, exactly. Tells really, really unfunny jokes. <laughs> yeah, terrible. All right, we're going to take uh, one last break here. And when we come back, let's dig into some good news about the midterms. Good. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about this because I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling pumped up. I think the Democrats have the eye of the tiger. I'll explain well, that here. I, I know I need to hear it. And I think a lot of our listeners need to hear that as well. So we're ready for you. All right, let's do it. Back with more show right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska. brand new single from Matt Jaffe. I, wow. One of those songs that I hate to step all over by talking on it, but uh, we will play the whole thing coming up at the end of the show as we've been doing. Oh, uh, you want to stick around for this one. This is called Slow Apocalypse. We're living wow. it, Matt. Thank you for yeah. the song. We're living it. Uh, <laughs> got a link in the description to support Matt Jaffe, the great Matt Jaffe. One of the best we've got out there. It's a beautiful song, and I yeah. love piano, and I hope I don't insult artists by comparing them to other artists because I mean it as a compliment because yeah. there are, these other artists are people I really like and have been really successful. He sounded vocally a little like uh, Al Stewart there, You're the Cat yeah. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and nothing wrong with that. It, it mm -hmm. certainly made him a big hit, and I love piano, and that's a beautiful, beautiful song despite the grim <laughs> right. Yeah. BobSeska.com slash music to submit your work. Please do that, and we thank you for it. Okay. Let's see here. So midterms, I want to mention this. Uh, the great Chris Boozy posted this earlier today, and he's been optimistic, but much like Simon Rosenberg, not foolishly optimistic. Optimistic okay. backing it all up with numbers. Chris Boozy wrote earlier today, if you follow me long enough, you know I don't do the false hope stuff. It doesn't help anyone. 
Democrats will hold the Senate and they will hold the House by a few seats. Kansas wasn't an anomaly. Alaska wasn't an anomaly. New York's 19th district wasn't an anomaly. So that was the great Chris Boozy with some excellent news and we thank him for that. I'm feeling the same way. I feel like the early voting numbers and the energy that we have mm-hmm. seen in all of these previous special elections and so on, uh, certainly the ballot initiative in Kansas, this is all immense news that I think is going to translate into a situation where the pollsters are going to prove to be wrong. And the problem with that is that wrongness is going, and this is the downside. I've got the, I just gave you the optimistic side, which I agree with. The pessimistic side is it's going to lead to chaos in the wake of this election after the night of the 8th. Yes. There are going to be at least a few weeks, if not more, of absolute bedlam when it comes to counting the votes in some of these, especially some of these tightly contested uh, House districts, right? Rachel Maddow had a sobering uh, number, a set of numbers for us last night. Uh, One is that in Pennsylvania, there are 67 counties. There's a chief elections officer in each one of those counties. Out of 67 counties in that crucial state, 50 of them have new election officials because the previous ones quit oh, after the 2020 election. After being uh, intimidated, like, yeah. Like, exactly, and the same thing in Arizona where they have 17 counties and 10 of the election commissioners have left their jobs only to be replaced by others who in many, if not most cases, are election deniers. So uh, this is this is not going to go smoothly. Uh, something, but, uh, you know, so, and that's a concern. Yeah. I, I, too, am encouraged by the early voter count. It's better than we're being told for the Democrats. Uh, it, it's better for Democrats than we are being told, these these early voting numbers. And that's very encouraging to me. Uh, the fact that the pollsters could be wrong is very encouraging. And the fact that we have a week left before this election is very encouraging. And I think there are some very, we have some very strong things on our side. So I, I do have reason for optimism, but uh, things like the vote count concern me. And uh, I wanted to, you know, we wanted Earlier, I said something about uh, you actually started it about being prepared on election night, not to have the results that night, but that it would be perhaps days before we knew the outcomes of, of certain races yeah. that would determine who controls the House and who controls the Senate. Uh, it's going to affect television election coverage as well, and. I am, am as disappointed as anyone in the performance of the media and the both sidesism and all the other crap that we have to put up the horse race. They're turning everything into a horse race uh, with them, even the attack on Paul Pelosi. It's about a horse race, what the Democrats are saying, what the Republicans are saying, it, 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 even in cases where it isn't political. And that's maddening. Mm-hmm. But this is interesting. Uh, John Dickers, I'm no huge fan of CBS News, but here, even though I used to work for <laughs> CBS doing news. Yeah. Uh, John Dickerson is the chief political a- analyst at CBS News, and, and he said, if people don't have any faith in the system, they may decide to take things into their own hands, end quote. Uh, and, and then an article in the uh, Washington, uh, sorry, the New York Times uh, goes on to say, CBS has been televising elections since 1948, but this is the first year that the networks felt obligated to install a dedicated democracy desk as a cornerstone of its live coverage. Wow. Seated a few feet away from the co-anchors on the network's Times Square studio, election law experts and correspondents will report on fraud allegations and threats of violence at the polls. 
It's not traditional, said Mary Hager, CBS's executive editor of politics, who's covered election nights for three decades. But she continues, but I'm not sure we'll ever have traditional again. Fuck. End quote. Good night, everybody. <laughs> well, the show. <laughs> no, that's just a, that's a note about coverage. It's something I want to prove. Actually, if anything, Bob, that that may be. I mean, uh, the quote was not good news, but we all know it's true. We yeah, all knew yeah, it before yeah. you. You knew it before you heard it. Uh, what what's perhaps noteworthy here is the fact that at least at CBS, and I, I expect in some form on the other networks, uh, legal experts will be standing by and other other experts to to weigh in on on the difficulties that. We will undoubtedly encounter in, in this election. Uh, so, for all the discouragement we feel about the media, there's there's something good that's being done, and and I think when you combine that with the fact, I mean, just know that um, there are things here to catch you. There, there's time is on your side because even though you might not know the results election night, uh, it could ultimately very much swing our way. So, take heart in that and try to hold on to that hope uh, as you go through this election, and also uh, look to the the untrusted media, uh, look, look to them for uh, some immediate legal analysis with mm-hmm. their experts on hand uh, to, to comment on on fraud allegations and threats of violence that we know are going to occur. Right. And in the meantime, ignore the polls. The polls are now entirely meaningless. They are, yeah. by and large, neck and neck. Plus, right. the poll aggregators are being gamed by Republican polls that right. have been flooding right. the zone. That's with huge. Showing a Republican advantage so that what happens is if the Democrats end up squeaking it out, at least on the congressional side of the ballot, then they'll be able to say, oh, why is there a huge disparity between the polls and the actual outcome? They Mm -hmm. rigged this election again. That's what's going to happen. They're going to say that no matter what. Yeah. So the key to at least observing where we are leading up to November 8th is to keep an eye on the early vote. Follow Simon Rosenberg on Twitter. Follow Chris Boozy. Uh, Simon Rosenberg is at SimonWDC. Right now, the numbers that he's looking at from Target Early, which are all Mm -hmm. early voting numbers, show the Democrats over Overperforming based on the yes. 2020 and 2018 numbers yes. and showing Republicans underperforming. The key here to looking at these numbers is not just the total aggregate number of votes, because again, Democrats tend to vote early, Republicans tend to vote late or on the day. Election day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what the metric here is is to compare the numbers to 2020 and 2018. And you'll find that the Democrats are doing immensely better. In fact, as of right now, according to Target Early, uh, Democrats have cast 11.6 million votes so far in this election. In 2018, at this point in time, it was only 9.9 million. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, 45.2% of the vote versus 50.8% of the vote now. That's a now, huge deal. And if you're just hearing the numbers Bob just provided now for the first time, you may have heard before that that surveys of uh, voter enthusiasm showed the Republicans well ahead, maybe 20 points ahead of the Democrats, yeah. 10 to 20 points ahead of them on enthusiasm. But when you get down to the actual votes, uh, you're seeing who's who's racing to the polls to cast their ballots and in greater numbers than even a presidential election in many cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see that... You have to know that uh, what they say they're going to do and what they actually do may well be two different things. There's still room for hope, and there's still time 
to win this. You got it. And uh, we'll leave on this note. We'll leave with uh, the former president, the real former president, Barack Obama. Ah, yes, thank you. Who just hammered Ron Johnson on Social Security the other day and just totally brought the fire. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I have embraced Barack Obama as a national leader for years now. Even when it was not popular for liberals to embrace Barack Obama, this guy is the real deal. This guy is I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Now, I have one little criticism, but I'm going to save it. For the uh, Shadow Docket. Shadow Docket, okay. And so that's your incentive to be a Shadow Docket subscriber because I've got, I'll have something to say about this, but I'm not going to say it until we get to the other side. Okay. But I agree with you completely that there's nobody, nobody like Barack Obama. This guy's amazing. Let's listen to the most recent real president. Some of you here are on Social Security. Yeah. Some of your parents are on Social Security. Yeah. Some of your grandparents are on Social Security. You know why they have Social Security? Because they worked for it. They worked hard jobs for it. They have chapped hands for it. They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, if he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect. He's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. Oh, man. Yeah, nobody better. Nobody. Holy shit. That, that is, is exactly the right message and it, it, exactly the right messenger. Exactly. Uh, he knew what to say and he knew how to say it better than anybody. As Helen Thomas used to say, thank you, Mr. President. Holy yes. shit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. No one brings it like Barack Obama. Holy God. True. Yeah. And uh, it's never, <clears throat> never popular uh, when I say this, but. Uh, third term? No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, kidding. Oh, I'm I'd, kidding. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I would. You'd have to change the Constitution, though, and that's well, a it tough haul. Do what yeah. we must. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. We got lots more to talk about on the shadow docket because, sure. my God, we went really, really long today. But I that's okay. That. There's lots of important shit to talk about. So sometimes it doesn't always fit conveniently into one compact hour. So what Thanks we do for then, hanging with us. Yeah, exactly. So what we do then when this sort of thing happens is we take all of the shit that we didn't get to and we shove it into the shadow docket like a Play-Doh factory. We just cram it in there and crank it out of the shadow docket. Sure. That so real bonus for Patreon subscribers. <laughs> exactly right, right? So you go to our right. Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Scroll on down, you'll see the Shadow Docket level. It's $5 a month. You click that button, put in your information, and you're there. You got it. You can listen on the Patreon page. You can add the RSS feed to your whatever podcast player you use. Uh, You can use the Patreon app. You can participate in the comments under the episode. It's the best way to get in touch with me in case you you have a hot idea. I've noticed that. Yeah, some sort of observation you want to pass along to me. That's the best way to do it. Uh, I don't really deal with Facebook DMs anymore because I'm hardly ever on Facebook. When I go over there, I try to answer as many as I can. But uh, if you want to get in touch with me, the Patreon page is the best way to do it. BobSuskaShow.com, $5 a month. If you're feeling saucy, $10 a month also gets you, in addition to the Shadow Dock, it gets you the Friday after party. But that's only if you're feeling saucy. 
That's the one with sex in it. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, that's coming up next. We're going to talk about uh, some Jan 6 information. Uh, those emails were just acquired. Uh, John Roberts' yes. fuckery yes. and a whole lot more. Oh, Sarah Palin's endorsement of Lauren Boebert and how just utterly ridiculous it actually was. <laughs> have some observations on that coming up, too. Oh, Joe Rogan and Dr. Phil debunked in real time. We may get to that, oh, too. You never know. You never know what we're going to get to. But we'll see you over there, folks. Take care. Bye-bye.
Oh, apocalypse. 